This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's up and welcome to another episode of the Grindline Podcast. You're listening to episode 238. I am here tonight with Ryan and Tyler from the past. How are you guys doing tonight? So good. Uh, Tyler, I'm sorry. It's 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 too perfect. For those that can't see you, you're just the internet struggles since you moved has been real. I feel for you, but it's also pretty funny because you at the moment it looks like you flash back to 1967. Yeah. So it's uh I'm glad that we're all here though. Everyone's happy, everyone's smiling. We have some good news to break. Actually, we wouldn't be breaking it. We'll be a little bit delayed but when this finally comes out, but it's good news nonetheless for the team. Yeah, I had said that when Tyler first first came on that I might as well have just played the AOL dial-up noise instead of his audio because that's exactly what it sounded like but he's moved to a room where apparently internet lives so tyler how are you <laughs> i'm doing good and i will defend myself i'm actually i think i'm an idiot because when the uh when the internet guy came to the weird way to up, defend yourself to set, to set up my internet <laughs> i chose for him to put it in the living room right next to the tv so like i could watch games and like well is that where your cable jack's at though we don't have cable, Ryan. We don't well, use cable. What connects to your router? I guess cable. cable. Yeah, I guess cable. You're right. But like, <laughs> we don't typically, I mean, they have cable in their living room. And then like, I have a box in, in my back room, but I just don't, I don't use it. I stream stuff. So 
I don't know. Anyways, when they set when they come to set it up, I I had them set it up in my living room instead of setting it up in my room where I'm going to be working and doing podcasts, which is basically yeah, working at this point too. So not smart. I could have them come back out and move it, but then I'm going to be screwed out front. So I'm not going to do that. I sent you the fix. Just go buy a long Ethernet cord and a little adapter so you can hardwire your computer. You're golden. And that's that's what I'm going to have to do. Or either that or getting a Wi-Fi extender or something like that. So Ooh, not a bad idea. Yeah, do that there. mesh network, that old house, man. Uh, it might not work either because of the walls. But we're here to talk about hockey uh, and not Internet issues. So the Red Wings did have some news today. Uh, what we're going to do today is the main part of our show is going to be prospect rankings. We're finally going to get to our prospect rankings before the season starts. But Steve Eisenman again throws us off track and goes and trades with the Habs for Jeff Petrie. The Habs traded Jeff Petrie to Detroit. Uh, we got him with 50% retained salary. And Montreal received Gustav Lindstrom, a 2025 conditional fourth round pick, which brings Petrie to Detroit on a cap hit at two years. And uh, the most random cat hit in the world, $2,343,750 per season. Uh, Jeff Petrie will be 26 years old in December. He'll be uh, less. 20, oh, no, Jesus Christ. 36 <laughs> years old. Sorry. There we go. Jeff Petrie will be 36 <laughs> years old in December. Uh, but he had a projected war last season of 50%, EV offense of 51, EV defense of 56 amazing again Eisenman's picking up these dudes with great finishing numbers he's a 94 finishing a 78 percent goals per 60 and he fell off a little bit with the pens and I don't know if that's an outlier because if you look at the previous season his stats were much better I've also got I'll throw up here on the YouTube channel the evolving hockey card for uh last season or for the 2021-22 season where he had a 76 overall with a 73 offense and a 67 defense so if you maybe it's an outlier, maybe it's him getting old. That could be it, too, because Petrie is getting older. People are glaring at the turnover numbers because he had some pretty ugly turnover numbers. But I mean, overall, to give up Lindstrom and, and I'm wearing the shirt I traded with Steve Eiserman and all I got was this lousy T-shirt and a fourth round pick. You gave up Lindstrom in a fourth and it's the conditional fourth, which is Weird one to put conditions on. So it's whatever's later, Detroit's or Boston's. So it, it's, I think it's a, I mean, it's a plush trade. It ups, it upped our, uh, upped us in the war chart, the, the J Fresh war roster builder. And I mean, you're getting a guy who's better than, uh, even at his advanced age for hockey, better than Gustav Lindstrom. I, I love the trade and I, I feel bad in the sense that Lindstrom didn't work out in Detroit. Cause I think I, several of us were very high on him when he first came in, we thought he was great at the breakout pass. He seemed like he was going to be a, a simple stay at home defenseman. And I know Pete listening here would was ranting and raving about him as well, but it just seemed like he regressed each season. And then the injury I know didn't help him at all. It seemed that he just never seemed to be right, if you will. And that speaks kind of, I think a lot to, Greg and I's conversation that we just recently had um, with Dr. Hockey. But to s Detroit upgraded 100% by making this move. Is it fun that Petrie is going to be 36 in December, like you mentioned? No. But what's intriguing, though, is people are talking about the giveaways. Was it the kind of giveaways that took place? Because you look at his numbers from Pittsburgh last year, he had 36 giveaways. Now, NHL and how they track things is debatable with what you want to call it. 
But the year before that in Montreal, he had 107. So I don't know what really you should expect, but what I what I like about this trade, and it's surprising how I think most people online have been happy with it today. What's nice about Petrie, even though he hasn't been able to stay healthy, he hasn't had a full season. I mean, maybe COVID year, he was looking at being healthy for a full year with Montreal, but he hasn't had a full season of 82 games since 1819. And last year he had 61. Maybe in a depth role, that's what you can hope for. But you hope also that he's not having to push 20 plus minutes a night because last year in Pittsburgh, when he was on the ice, he was averaging over 22 minutes a game. The guys that Detroit brought in with guys to spare, uh, Hull, you've got Mata. Mata, I think, only had 18, but Hull, I think it was Hull, Gostaspare, Cider, and Sherratt were all guys that had over 20 minutes a game. Now you bring in Petrie, another guy that ate a lot of minutes. I don't think you're going to have to worry about Petrie going out there every single night playing in all situations. You can put him where you need to because he did play in all situations with Pittsburgh, and it's not going to necessarily hurt you. The biggest question is going to come down to is who can he replace? And I think that's what's it, it makes this camp. And I think Daniela tweeted it today. There's going to be some fun storylines going into camp this year. The other guy that averaged over 20 minutes of ice time on defense was Philip Peronic at 2132. And then fair. you uh but then when he's gotten Jake Wallman's ice time ticked up to 1943. Mm-hmm. If Jake yep. Wallman would have been in that position the whole season, he probably would have been over 20 minutes. Um, but Gustav Lindstrom, another guy gone from the Ken Holland draft era. So I think that you've got Michael Rasmussen and you've got Jonathan Berggren, who I believe are the the two remaining on the roster from the, the Ken Holland draft era. But Tyler, what do you think of the, the Jeff Petrie trade? Yeah, I saw some people pissed off online about it and, and like, oh, why are we bringing in older guys? But you know what? Like, this isn't the, the rebuilding Detroit Red Wings where, like, you know, we're just bringing guys in to eat minutes. Like this is like a, a a move that you make when he's your seventh defenseman and you're trying to compete for it or make the playoffs. I mean, yeah, Jeff Petrie, yeah, 35, 36 years old. Yeah, not the same guy he used to be. He was one of the more underrated players in the league when when he was playing to his potential. I think the last good year he really had was with Montreal and that that run that they had to that big Stanley Cup final that they made in 2020-2021. 42 um, points in 55 regular season games that year. Yeah, he had a hell of a season. He had a hell of a postseason, too. That that Montreal team, say what you want, but they beat the Vegas team and and what have you. So whatever. But but at the end of the day, if Jeff Petrie is your seventh defenseman, (laughs) I don't think you're in that bad of a situation. I really don't. Uh, Obviously, he's not the same guy he used to be. You have to kind of take that with a grain of salt. But um, I... I think that move um, pissed off a lot of people. Not, I shouldn't say a lot of people. That pissed off some of the people that are like, well, we need to have every everybody out there needs to be 25 or younger. And that's just, it's not how you build a playoff team. You Like, obviously, in the scenario that the Wings are in, you want to have as many young guys as you can. But at this point in time, you're ready to make the playoffs. So you, you at least think you're, you're ready to push for the playoffs. So you need to have some veteran presence. And honestly, Throughout the whole rebuild, they've had veteran presence the whole time, so why not have another one? I guess my question is, where does he slot in? Because is he a seventh defenseman? Does I think he he's switch the seventh or the eighth guy. Well, does he switch in and out with Sherratt? I think that's what makes the most sense. 
because you you look at the left side and you got to think the expectation there is going to be Ghost Gasper, Wallman, and Mata, right? I think that's fair to assume that you that's your think, left your left because side. Because Petrie's a right, yeah, he's a right D. Petrie's a righty, so you've got your top pair of Cider and Wallman. I think that we've landed pretty heavily on Hall. Hall. I'm going to say that so weird every single time. Hall, Justin Hall. It's it's an O, but I, it sounds like a U. Justin Hall with Gossip Bear makes sense for your second pairing. Or you can shift Hall down to your third pair. I mean, I think Petrie can play top four. I think your best case scenario is to maybe not have him there. But I think it was, was it Lars that made a fantastic comparison? And I thought about this earlier too, was that maybe Petrie turns into your Mark Stahl where he's going to be an older guy that you can put in all situations and he's going to be impactful. Do you want him out there all the time? Maybe not, but he can go out there and do the right thing and help your team. As long as he can limit the turnovers that everyone has griped and moaned about, you're in a good spot. But again, two to zero place. I think Sherratt is our, our whipping boy at this point and our skate, like who we've leaned in on for who can be replaceable. But then, I mean, the other only other one I can think of would be, does he rotate with Hull? Does he rotate with Mana? I don't think Hull getting brought in a three-year deal is, is a guy that that's going to happen with. But Sherratt's got three years. Mata's got two years. Like, it's, I don't know. I think Petrie's the type of guy that can play both sides, too, and I think that kind of makes him versatile. Um, I think that that is one thing that I believe he has played both sides in his career, and and he seems like the type of guy that would be willing to do that anyways, especially at this point of his career, just trying to trying to um, extend his career. And, you know, the Ann Arbor native. So, I mean, he's he's it's basically a homecoming for him. So, yeah, he's going to be wearing number 46, which is dad war as the legendary pitcher for the Detroit Tigers. But I think that Which, can we just touch on how awesome that is, though. That's cool. It's they a had, really cool thing. The, I, I knew they were probably going to have it on there. I, I didn't have the TV on, but I saw the clip. The Bally Sports posted Petrie talking about his Dan talking about Jeff coming back to Detroit and being able to play here and how awesome it is for them. So you can tell how much excitement's there. And I, it was just you, you got a little bit emotional, but played it off well, which did you also see in that video that they've known about this trade with the family for a week and we just got the announcement for it? Well, I knew they were going to they were thinking about the second they picked Petrie back up, the Canadians from the Penguins in that Eric Carlson trade. That they were going to trade him. They basically oh, totally, immediately said they're, he's they known he's coming to him. Detroit for a week. And I just had to work out the specifics. They had to hold again. Fort had to Iserman. Wait. It's no <laughs> longer <laughs> Fort Knox. It's Fort Iserman. So it's oh. it. I think it'll be good for the team. I think then the question is just where does he slot in? Who gets moved? It almost makes me feel like another move could possibly be coming because now there's a log jam. There's no almost no way someone like an Edvinson makes the lineup or someone like a Johan, uh, Albert Johansson makes the lineup because now we've just got extra people. I mean, yep. and they're all NHL caliber defensemen. You could have argued that Gustav Lindstrom is a fringe guy who, who when he was re-signed, Iserman said he, basically he knows his role. He knows why he's here. He could go down to Grand Rapids. But now you've got guys that you're not going to wave Petrie to Grand Rapids. You're not going to wave uh, Oli Mata to Grand Rapids, Justin Hole, you're not going to wave him. I mean, you can try and wave Ben Sherratt, but I mean, it's, it's just a, a, a albatross contract at that point. Yeah. I think it makes it a lot more confusing, but it also improves the team in the meantime. So I'll take improvement with confusing. I won't take 
confusing without improvement, but I'll take improvement with confusing. Um, but it did prompt a lot of stupid reaction, like Tyler said online earlier, because what happened is after the trade was announced and went down, uh, Patrick Bacon, who, again, uh, yeah, people say who? From Top Down Hockey, who has helped Jay, uh, Jay Fresh uses his model, I believe, for the war roster cards. Uh, now, off the top, his account bio says the goal of this account is to be wrong about hockey less frequently, and he already broke it. Uh, but he tweeted out, quote, Steve Iserman being a top GM in Tampa for about a decade and then immediately being terrible in Detroit is a sign that GM performance is more heavily influenced by luck and other external factors like ownership, scouting, geography, etc. than most of us care to admit. Um, off the top, immediately wrong. Like, terrible? Like, why would you? That's a word that you choose to use. Immediately being terrible in Detroit without looking at, hey, here's what he was left with by Ken Holland. Here's what had to move out. Here's what buyouts had to be made. Here's the system he was left with, the prospect pool, the coaching situation. He went on to talk about signing cop and not to mention that cop was recovering from core surgery, which we also talked about with the doctors yesterday, uh, which we'll tweet that episode out whenever they post it. It was a really good discussion. But to make like inflammatory marks like that just for the clicks and the views, because now Twitter pays you for views. So I think that's what a lot of people are going to do is they're going to start tweeting a bunch of stupid shit because it'll get clicks. But I, I mean, you can't. How can you go out and be, I guess, how can you go out and be that wrong? Uh, like, what is the X? And I think we've asked and talked through this question before, but what is the expectation for a rebuild? Do people think that a team that's bad should be immediately relevant within three years? That's kind of rhetorical, but I feel like that's the consensus with a lot of people out there. I think that's what we wish. I mean, that's Wish a, that's and reality case. is two totally different things. I mean, I mean, I agree with the fact that, yeah, the Wings have had terrible lottery luck, but they're now, with the picks that have been made, it's hard to go against their top drafts. Like, you got Cider, Raymond, you have Danielson coming in, Axel Sandin, Pelica, Kosa. Like, these are going to be some guys. Casper. Casper, I'm sorry. These are going to be guys that are going to be, this franchise will be relying upon. And we've got two now. We could potentially have a third coming in this season. I think mean, we got Edvinson in the in the wings coming up. Johansson, like there's defensive players that are close to making their way in. The contracts that are in place now, like everything's been every season just about since Eiserman's taken over has been a reset. We talked about this a couple episodes ago. I think there's five or six players between the Detroit roster and Grand Rapids and partly pro, part of the prospect pool that have survived the purge since Iserman took over. That's small. For reference, NHL teams can have 50 contracts between both clubs, NHL and AHL. Six players. I, I don't have the tweet up, but I, I name them off again. I think Fabry I included in that, so that means you can bring drop the number to five because he brought in, Iserman brought in Fabry. But... I, <laughs> I, I don't get it. Like the the from day one, Eisenman preached patience. We're four and a half, five years into it. What's was it twenty? Like I don't understand how 
it's it's frustrating. I'm I'm trying not to say too much. <laughs> Ryan's trying not to be really mean. So yeah. what it what it I think it is I'll be mean. It's people following Twitter and it's following the trades and not following anything else, not listening to the press conferences, not doing any research beforehand, just looking at contracts, like the value of them, but not the entirety of the Red Wings cap situation where you would see you've got a rolling cap. Contracts fall off. The money really doesn't matter. The cap's going up. We've still got space moving into next season. And it's it's not taking the totality of it. It's looking at little individual pieces as they drip in without any reference information and then going out and saying, oh, guess Steve Eiserman sucks. And it's like, it, but again, it's just for clicks and it's just for name recognition. And then to go out and follow it up, he's like, see, if I would have said this three years ago, I would have gotten flamed, but I barely got a reaction when he got like over 300 negative reactions or whatever to it. It's just it's insane to me. Well, I'll tell you one thing right now, uh, Ryan, to answer your question, I, I think rebuilds take anywhere from five to seven, maybe even longer years, depending on what situation you're in. I know a lot of people when Detroit finally started to decide they wanted to rebuild, thought that they should go after the Boston model while they still had 13 and 40. And then once 13 and 40 left, it's like, OK, well, we need to actually tear this down to the studs and start from scratch and maybe just keep a guy like Dylan Larkin. That's pretty much what they did. Steve Eisman came in. He turned it over. He they did what they could with some buyouts, um, but he preached patience because some of these contracts weren't going to come off the books. The Abdul Caters and the Zetterberg that they still had on LTIR and just a lot of those different contracts that they still had under Erickson, obviously. But like, I, I thought I wouldn't have to say that word again in my life, but whatever. Did you Here say Franz Nielsen? Franz Nielsen's another one. There was a ton. So the situation was what it was, and it wasn't good. I'll tell you what, it's probably a bottom five in the last 20 years situation that a general manager had to walk into. It wasn't a good one. And yeah, you have Dylan Larkin, who a lot of people will say is a fringe superstar. I would say he's probably right on, on that line of being a superstar. But at the end of the day, that, that was the situation that they were forced into. So, I mean, what was he going to do? Find a superstar out of note? Like, you just, you had to have those those contracts come off the books. You had to draft well. You had to develop well. And so far, they've drafted well. Let's see if they develop well. And I think they're on the right track. Well, people from the outside look at it and they automatically go, he should have immediately went out and traded everyone and brought in a bunch of superstars, which you you can't do. I mean, you you can do if you want to forego having any kind of prospect pool, if you want to trade away all your draft picks and if you want to try to win in the next three years and then just be bad again. And that's not what you're trying to do. That's not what any good, competent GM will do. A good, competent GM will realize the situation he's coming into, tear it down like he did, rebuild the pool like he has done and is doing, while making smart trades in the meantime to keep yourself relevant, find players who have won in the past to build up the, the morale and the room and build a new culture around the new guys and, and bring in that leadership to help the younger leadership go forward. And that is what Eiserman is doing. To say that he's doing a terrible job, what you're saying is you wanted him to just immediately come in and in two years 
be a cup contender, which is illogical. And, and if it was logical, would lead to, again, another rebuild in three or four years. Dr. Jason gave me a, a fantastic message earlier. Um, it was a comparison of the 2019 roster versus today. Your top line in 2019 was Bertuzzi, Larkin, and Mantha. Your second line was Fabry, Thilpola, Helm. Followed it up with Zadina, Nielsen, Gagne. Barf. Berlin. Perlini, N, and Abdelkader. Oh, come on. You want to hear the defense? The Let's ghost go there of too. Robert N. Heronic and Daly was your Christopher top pair. N. You didn't even get his name N. right. Yeah, see, I didn't even remember his first name. Yes, Christopher N. The hold on, hold on, hold on. Heronic and Daly, Bowie Chalowski, Nemeth DeKaiser, and Biega. Oh, yeah. And now look what you've got. And you said that was 2019. 19 roster. I, I don't know who put oh, it's four years. off. I think Instagram that posted this. That's I also four years. put in reference that team in 71 games because unfortunately the season ended early. 39 points, 17 wins. Since then, they've had 19, 32, and 35 wins. This team, every year since the teardown, has improved. Has it been the most? incredible improvement in the world arguable but they've already flipped this whole roster around and i'd say no but (laughs) i'd say i'd say no but i mean it's been a very good improvement when you're dealing with a salary cap now granted detroit's been under it and rightfully so now you can bring in the role players that we're seeing are they role players i'd say most are yeah but when you have a whole team of them there's balance there's depth there's things that could happen, but there are also a lot of offensive-minded role players, which will help you score. I'm not going to go on that fucking tirade, bandwagon again. Nope. But there's improvement there. The people yep. that choose to ignore it are this fucking crispy bacon guy. Tyler, I'm going to give you the last word on this before we take a break, and then we get into our prospect ranking. Yeah, my thing is, is, is you know, a lot of people always talk about the rebuild and talk about stuff like that, but then you see, like, people online why is it so skewed in terms of where you see the prospect rankings from like you know a a heavy source like nhl.com or or like the athletic or someone like that versus like some of these idiots from tiktok and stuff like that why is there such a disparity of where the red wings draft pool or i shouldn't say draft pool their prospect pool is that's my question I would say because the, there are people that are smart and, and paid to do research and do it. And then there are people that with a smartphone that can just make a TikTok video and say whatever they want. Fair enough. All right. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors before we move on. Apparently, Tyler's going to do some stretches and calisthenics before we take our break. And then uh, we'll be back with our prospect rankings. We'll be right back in just a minute. New customers, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code THPN. Bet just $5 to score $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's code THPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. In New York, call 877-HOPENY or text H-O-P-E-N-Y. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, Kansas, in West Virginia, gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. All games regulated by West Virginia Lottery. 
Please play responsibly in partnership with Hollywood Casino at Charlestown Races. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. One boost per eligible game. Opt-in required. Max bet $50. 10-plus legal required for 100% boost. Eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions apply. Even if you're not going on vacation, summer's all about a vacation state of mind. Whether I want to listen to my Spotify playlists on repeat or just need to retreat inside my own head for a bit, I love creating my own summer soundtrack by popping in my Raycon wireless earbuds. There's so much going on all summer. Sometimes you need some upbeat music to pump you up before you see people or to stay calm with some guided meditation. Right now, I'm just listening to podcasts on my walks downtown when I get lunch at work, and it's just really helping me keep my composure to get to that giant list of emails. Let me tell you right now, Raycons are the best way to listen. Use earbud tap functions to toggle between three customizable sound profiles, noise isolation, and awareness mode. Raycons have a 32-hour battery life, including eight hours of playtime, so you can listen to what you want, when you want, for a really long time. They come with custom gel tips for the most comfortable in-ear fit and start at half the price of other premium audio brands, but they sound just as good. And Raycons come with a 30-day happiness guarantee, so you can't really lose. Create your own soundtrack with Raycon right now. Grindline podcast listeners can get 15% off their Raycon order at buyraycon.com slash THPN. That's buyraycon.com slash THPN to save 15% on Raycons. Buyraycon.com slash THPN. And we're back. And we are going to do our prospect rankings, uh, which as they stand right now on August 15th, 2023 now again subject to change depending on the development of the prospects uh, but this is kind of just like where we see them as as kind of like i guess ceilings ceilings based on on what they've shown so far and as a disclaimer people who have already burned a year of their elc are not included so you will not see omer soderblom on this list they have to be under i think we set it at 23 Yep. And have not burned a year of their ELC. I think so, kind of similar to what the athletic usually rolls with, if I remember yeah, correctly. Yeah, and and we're gonna um we're gonna run through. I think we're gonna come to a consensus list. We're not gonna do like my list, then Ryan's list, then Tyler's list. We're gonna come to a consensus on where these players land, and it will be our podcasts ranking for this season for our prospects. So we're gonna start with our number one prospect, and I think we all agree on. This. You want to go on Simon. first, or you want to go top down? Oh, man. See, we could have just talked about this during the break and it would have been a lot easier. But I mean, we can go top down. What sounds I, more see, fun? I was expecting 10 to one. So, OK, well, then let's start with number 10. <laughs> let's let's do that, I guess. I I think it normally if you start one to 10, it gets harder as you go. But if you start at 10, you well, automatically start, start. I mean, hard. I think we've gone both ways on this before. Let's start one. We'll go one. All right. We've gone both ways. Phrasing. That's what she said. Uh, so at number one, I've got Simon Edvinson, and I think that's a consensus. Number one, Simon Edvinson, 20 years old, six foot six, 216 pound, absolute monster drafted uh, number six overall in 2021. Uh, Edvinson, he impressed in his time in Detroit. There'll be people that say he didn't or he was uh, he had some bad situations or whatever. Again, it was his first nine NHL games in which he had two goals. In the 2021-22 season in Frolunda, he had 44 games played with 19 points. In Grand Rapids in 2022-23, he 
in 52 games, had five goals, 22 assists for 27 points. I think far and away, not far and away, but I think pretty solidly Simon Edmondson is your number one prospect. He is a uh, has the ability to be a top pairing D-man. Uh, people will still compare him to a Victor Hedman style player. I I can't I can't knock it, man. He is a great skater. He's very fluid. He's very good in tight space, makes very smart passes. I'm I'm really, really excited. I'm really hoping he comes back 100% healthy from this surgery. But I'm really excited to see what Edvinson can do, and I think he breaks in at some point this year. Like we had talked about earlier with our defensive logjam now, probably not going to start the year. But when he breaks in, I think he'll, he'll earn that spot, and I, I see him burning that year this year. Yeah, it's probably going to make the most sense. I mean, it's going to be likely due to injury, but we know that Eiserman leaves the door wide open that for these younger guys, and especially with several of the names that we're going to mention here, they've got the opportunity. If they beat someone out, they're going to earn it, and then Eiserman has his job to do of figuring out how they can fit in there. Edvinson, though, I think I'll backtrack that a little bit and go to your point there, Greg, about the injury is how will he come back from that? I would hope and expect that they're going to slow roll him to make sure that there is no issue. Again, I'll lean back on the on Dr. J podcast and talking to them that when we hear about guys returning from injury, it means that they're just good enough to go. Does it mean that they're hundred percent healthy? Absolutely not. In the case of Simon Edmondson, you'll want him to be absolutely healthy. There's no issue letting him go down to Grand Rapids again. I know I loved watching him in Detroit. There, Yes, there were times where you saw him do an, oh, shit, what are you doing? But at the same time, he would make up for it in the way he could skate. The vision's there. The hockey IQ is there and what he can do with the puck and make things happen. And he was sound in his own end. All things that you could hope for out of, out of one of the top prospects in your system and arguably across the league. So I... Uh, when we see him, I don't know, but I think when that does happen, it's going to be hard to see them push the nine game or less and try to slide him one more year. Yeah, I think when he does come up, he's not going to go back down. It's going to be one of those situations where he more than likely starts in Grand Rapids, barring injury or trades. And and once he gets here, he's he's going to stay up, I, I would think. Um, the other thing is, too, is, is he could push his way onto this team. Um, Steve Eisenman. I know a lot of people will say, oh, well, you know, if 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 he really believed in him that much, then why did he trade for a guy like Petrie? Why did he sign a guy like Gossis Bear or, or Justin Hall? But at the end of the day, I mean, those are depth moves. And if Simon Edvinson, who's your top prospect, consensus top prospect, makes the team out of camp, you're going to find room for him because he's the type of guy um, that you can make room for if you absolutely need room for him. If you need him to go down to GR, He'll go down there and he'll more than likely light it up kind of like he did last year. He'll probably play a little bit better than he did last year. And then he'll come up to Detroit and he'll look like he he hasn't missed a beat. Um, you make a good point with coming back from the injury. Obviously, the injury is is kind of key. You know, does he bounce 100% back from that? We'll find out, hopefully. Um, and then if he can compete in camp, I mean, I, I would expect for him to contend for a spot. I'm not saying he's going to make it, but but he'll definitely contend for a spot, I would say. Awesome. So we're in consensus. Number one is Simon Edmondson. We're going to move on to number two, which I have Marco Casper. Marco Casper, 19 years old, six foot, 192 pounds. 
drafted number eight overall in 2022. Last season with Rogla BK, he had 52 games played, eight goals, 15 assists for 23 points. And in the one Detroit Red Wings game, he broke his kneecap. So that's what happened there. I think you're looking here at Casper, and I believe his ceiling is a a second line center. But probably, I mean, you'll probably have him as a fringe top line center, and he'll probably be one of the best second line centers in the entire league. I think the thing that he brings is he brings that size and he brings a physicality. He's not afraid to hit people. He's not afraid to get under people's skin, but he's also extremely intelligent, is a very good playmaker, has very high hockey IQ. And I think that his net front presence is good. He's a good screen. He, I mean, there's, you can say a lot of really good stuff about Marco Casper. And I have high hopes for him to play at some point this season and really actually start making an impact in, in season one because of his physical game that he plays. Yeah, Casper is a guy that you can put on the ice in any situation and he's going to go get the job done. And I think that speaks to him being probably neck and neck, arguably, with Edmondson as one of the top prospects in Detroit's organization right now. Because, as he mentioned, he played his first game with a broken kneecap. He knew that something didn't feel right, but he felt that he had to go out there and keep playing to not hurt the team. And that speaks to the toughness aspect of it. And I know that some people probably think that that's dumb and I don't necessarily blame you for that, but these guys are playing for a job and he knows that he has to go out there to try to keep that job. Now he's young entry level contract, no big deal, whatever, but having him go through like, and I like what Devin, uh, the hockey writers mentioned when he was talking about his prospect piece is that it speaks to what Detroit sees of him. Because when we found out that he signed his ELC and was coming over to the States, we thought he was going right to Grand Rapids. And then, boom, his first game he's thrown out there against one of the top teams in hockey in the Toronto Maple Leafs without fear. So that adds, I think, an extra level of excitement to what he could potentially bring to this team. And if that's your second center, I don't think you're in a bad spot because you're still dealing with the prime of Larkin. You have him coming in behind him. And if there's an, a chance for Casper to continue to improve and get better, if you're putting him behind arguably a top 15, top 20 center in hockey, not a bad thing. So I, I like where he can be. I, I hope that he sees ice in the NHL sooner rather than later, but we just got to let the contracts play out and let things kind of go, go their course. And in a way, these guys not making the NHL now, like, burning through the ELC if we get an extra year or two for a slide that plays out greatly in terms of when they are due to get paid that contract price might be a little bit lower which gives Eisman a lot more flexibility in the long term so as they say Ryan as the children say let them cook right that's what they say we'll go with that let Russ cook um yeah, no, I, I I agree. I think I think Casper is certainly the guy that that could be neck and neck with Edvinson. I I, I th- think for this exercise, uh, him being number two is is probably correct. Uh, he reminds me a lot of Sebastian Ajo, the the playmaking ability, uh, kind of the size he seems he is, and um, you know, I just see a lot of Sebastian Ajo in him. And honestly, Sebastian Ajo is the number one center in the NHL. I don't care what anyone says. So, um. Is he a superstar like Sidney Crosby or someone like that? No, but he's a damn good player. So um, I like Casper. I think that 
more than likely he'll be in Grand Rapids this year, right? He's not going to play in, in Detroit, but more than likely, but he'll be in Grand Rapids. And hey, who knows? You know, there are injuries and there are, like I said, with Edmonton, you can force your way onto the roster. Probably not out of camp, given what they signed in JT Comfer and, and guys like that. But, you know, there are injuries and, and obviously Casper is recovering from that broken kneecap as well. So we'll see what happens. But for this exercise, I like him at two. Well, I think he's recovered from the kneecap because we he he was activated from IR to get into the prospect or the. Oh, you're right. He is. What's what's the one in June? Oh my God! Or development July. camp. Development camp. There we go. Prospect camp. Prospect camp is upcoming. So he was at development camp again this year. So, and he looked good on his time in the ice. Grand, he has pros- development camp, whatever. But I think he should be good and likely 100 percent coming into the season. So we'll, it could again make things interesting. Awesome. So at number three, I have another. Now, this is where some people might differ. So at number three, I have Sebastian Cosa. Uh, Sebastian Cosa, again, big boy, man. Six foot six, 209, drafted 15 overall in 2021. Last season with the Toledo Walleye in 46 games played, he had a 256 goals against and a 913 save percentage, as well as seven playoff games with a 232 goals against and a 917 save percentage. In Grand Rapids, he only played three games and had a 5.57 and a 7.83. Uh, this season, you hope he is the starter or the backup for the Griffins. I think Alex Lyon uh, is possibly going to be the starter down there in Grand Rapids, or they could tandem him and Kosa, depending on how each of them play. Having a what projects to be a starter goaltender in the NHL, and not just a starter, like a really good one, is a very important piece. And people worried a little bit about the shaky start for Kosa. He was able to adapt and get on a roll and really didn't look back from there. And he's a, a really big reason that the walleye even made it to the playoffs. Uh, him and Lethman were absolutely lights out. The thing that a lot of people like about him, the analysts and the people that talk to him, is his compete, his drive, the head he has on his shoulders, always looking to be better, always looking for ways to improve his game. And he's I mean, he's a cocky kid and he'll even tell you himself that he's a cocky kid. He's got swagger. He'll he'll make fun of you. He he likes to compete with the actual skaters on the ice. And I, I mean, and that's kind of what you want, right? Like the attitude that he knows he's good, but he's still always looking for ways to improve. So I'm excited for Kosa. Like I said, he projects as a starting goaltender in the NHL. And I think he should be on the Red Wings within the next, I would say, depending on how this year goes, two to three seasons. Yeah, the the cockiness part, I think we've talked about since day one, and really everyone has for that matter. And it showed again at development camp. I forget who he was doing one-on-one drills with, but he stopped someone on several attempts in a row. Marco. Was it Casper? Yep. And then Casper got him a few more times, and you could tell that Kosa was pissed off because he got yep. beat by him. But that's the type of stuff that you want to see. You got two of the top prospects in the organization wanting to beat each other at one-on-one granted yes goalie and forward it kind of makes for an interesting situation but if your goalie is getting the best of one of your top forwards that that speaks a lot to what your goalie can do and we saw that with Kosa. we've talked about him a lot him and Lethemann had a fantastic season in combo down in Toledo I know that Lethemann was re-signed it's going to be interesting to see where they end up going with him between Toledo and or Grand Rapids do they go with three in Grand Rapids not really sure but I, I'm hesitant to have Kosa at three because of some of the 
maybe because I almost don't like goalies in some of these prospect rankings because it's almost an unfair advantage that the the skaters typically have. But having him top five is an absolute must for Detroit because you really have to lean on him for your future and what you're hoping to have. Because we've had a lot of guys, goal, goaltenders we've talked about in the past that just haven't played out. And he's one that we've seen the improvement. We've seen the conversations from guys like Korkov and Iserman in particular that have brought up, let him play. Where can he get the most ice time to help him get comfortable, help him improve, and what could get him the in the most appropriate path into the NHL? We saw him playing a lot in Grand, or, uh, Toledo last year. We're hoping that's now going to be, again, the case going to Grand Rapids. So it's not to say there's a lot riding on his shoulders, but there is because Huso isn't getting younger. Reimer is what, 35, 34? Can't think of it off the top of my head. He's over Old 30. enough. Yeah. He's 35. Alex Lyon, he's a little bit younger, but he's not an ideal guy in your net. I mean, if Huso can last several more years, that's your best case scenario to have Kosa come in and, and tandem with him. But that's your goal of the future to me. And I think all of us for that matter. And if that can work out, you have, again, a situation like Tampa. They brought in, now granted Vasilevsky is a completely different monster, but they brought in a goalie through the draft, let him develop. And now he's one of the best in hockey. So that's, is he going to be a Vasilevsky? I'm not saying that, but you hope that he can push himself to that true starter tier and be an impact player for this team. Absolutely. Yeah, cockiness at a, at the goalie position is something good to have. I feel like you have to have a little bit of an edge uh, to be a goalie, especially to be a stud goalie. I mean, you just look at the goalies, um, you know, and I'm not saying that he's this type of guy. But Ed Belfour like back in the day. Belfour, a Carey Price, a even Lundquist for his as nice and kind of guy he was, he still had a bit of an edge to him. You know, he'd I don't know if I would go with that and... route, but I'd say like a Patrick Waugh if you're going for the crazy yeah, psycho yeah. cocky. Right. I mean, even, even Roberto Luongo was pretty cocky. He was. He was. So, you know, obviously Costa is one of those guys that you want, that you almost need to hit on. You know, he's that 15th overall pick first round in 2021. So it's like one of those picks where Eisenman, he traded up to get him. And you almost need to hit on this because otherwise, you know, people are going to question, oh, you know, should you have taken somebody else? Should you have taken Jesper Wallstead, who's another stud uh, goaltender? And he was available at the time, wasn't he? And he was available. Yeah, he was available. I don't think Wallstead was taken to like 21 or somewhere around there. So, I mean, yeah, you almost have to hit on this one. Uh, I like the fact that he played in Toledo last year. I know a lot of people were like, oh, well, he shouldn't be playing down there. But, you know, it was about getting him playing time and he had a pretty good season i mean it got off to a little bit of a rough start and you know as as you would expect but he he adjusted as the season went on what did he win 12 in a row or something ridiculous like that i think the team won 18 straight games that's what it was 18 so i mean they he had a hell of a he did a hell of a job down in toledo and we'll see if he can carry that up to grand rapids and at the very worst be the backup but i would say he'll probably push with alex lyon to, to be some sort of a tandem or, or something like that. I would say that would probably be the best case scenario. We are going to move on to number four, in which I have newly drafted Nate Danielson. So Nate Danielson, six foot two, 187 pounds. He was drafted number nine in this past draft in 2023. 
Last season with the Brandon Wheat Kings, he wore the C. Now, again, disclaimer, terrible Brandon Wheat Kings team. Holy moly, were they bad. 33 goals, 45 assists for 78 points. The previous season in 53 games had 23 goals and 34 assists for 57 points. So he got, uh, I mean, 21 more points uh, than his previous season. Uh, Apparently born leader, great skater, great passer, uh, very creative uh, off the rush. I mean, it's his handling from what I've seen. His handling is fantastic. His timing is fantastic. Again, I think he probably grades out as a second line center. He could I mean, he's going to challenge someone like Marco Casper for that position. Maybe one of them gets moved to the wing eventually. I I mean, or you have the deepest center position in the entire league at that point. So that could be the other thing, too, is that maybe someone plays above their uh, above their ability. You're going to in four years, if you've got all all of these guys in Dylan Larkin's going to be like 30 years old. So, again, you might have one of the top center depths in, in, in the whole NHL. And I think that Danielson, though the pick was not flashy and it was very safe, I think that you got a guy who's who is definitely going to be an NHL player and going to be an impactful NHL player. And that's really what matters there. I think it's the uh, the forward version of, of Simon Edvinson, possibly. You know, we were all kind of like, oh, well, who the hell is this guy? And then, you know, all of a sudden, obviously not to the same level, but you know, the more you kind of started to to sniff around this guy and then watch some of the videos, it's like, oh, my God, this guy was on a terrible team. But like, what if this guy was on a good team? Could he have been a higher draft pick? You know, the, did Steve Eisenman find a diamond in the rough? And just looking at this picture, just on a side note, kind of as a joke, he looks like a redheaded Dylan Larkin. I can't see a close enough picture of him right now, so I'm going to have to go with you on that one. But, it's, it, uh, it's the one on Hockey DB that I'm looking at. He's got that, like, the the rosy cheeks. There's, okay, the so sick. there's a little similarity. <laughs> a little similarity. Oh, man. I'll do I'll do my one of my terrible mashups later. <laughs> please don't. God, please don't. No, I, I love the Daniels. I'll do pick. it right now while you're talking. Of course you will. Um, I think it for... It could be debatable, but I also don't think you're going to really have too many. There there might be folks that are going to argue this one. Maybe he should be behind a couple of the guys that we're about to talk about, and I could go either way with it. What I think is important here is that he's a big body. Like He he could come into the NHL now, and you wouldn't be upset about it in terms of his size. He's 6'2", 187 per elite prospects, but he can skate, and he also has fantastic hands when you get in tight. We saw at development camp that he has a fan, a great looking shot that he can be a little bit sneaky. And I'm sorry, actually, EP's prospect guide has him at 6'1 and 185. So, which is interesting because their website literally says 6'2, 187. So now I'm just confused at what he actually is. He's over 185 pounds. I think that's a win. But what's important, right handed shot at center. Hopefully he does stay there and he can be effective as you get into the NHL because. Larkin, Casper, Danielson as your future center core. I'd say you're in pretty good hands. You got two way guys that could actually be impactful and effective. And yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see where he ends up. I'm assuming he's probably, unless you guys have heard differently, going back to 
the minors for the season? He has to go he to juniors. To. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the Rasmussen rule. situation where yeah. it's either the NHL or um, junior. So, unfortunately, we'll have to wait a year to see him out in Grand Rapids because I think that's when he'll hit the actual requirements of either age and or years in the Canadian Hockey League. So, we'll see what happens. But it's going to be another fun year to watch. Hopefully he does maybe get traded to a contender in juniors. And then we can see him maybe pop off and actually be a truly overager impact player down there. But uh, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's, that's kind of the, the best path for him at this point, maybe getting traded out of that Brandon team. Cause I don't think they're going to be much better from, from what I've seen. Um, you know, I'm it, the, the biggest thing is, is, is he's one of those guys that it's going to be pushed back a year, but he's it's going to be in a situation where you're still going to be putting guys into the lineup. Like JT Comfort will be a year older, Andrew Kopp will be a year older. So you're going to need fresh guys coming in to take those spots. And who better to do that than a ninth overall pick in, in Nate Danielson? I, I think what's going to be important and hopefully will happen is that. As soon as his junior season's over, we see him immediately in Grand Rapids. I think that'll be best case scenario at this point. And then he's going to just, he'll, he'll be in Grand Rapids, make himself at home and start that program. So we're halfway through. We'll move on to number five. And for number five, I have William Wallander. Uh, this is where we're going to start maybe differing a little bit. William Wallander, six foot four hundred and ninety. People are probably pounds. already upset. So it's whatever. Yeah, it's whatever. Uh, six foot four hundred and ninety pounds drafted number thirty two overall in twenty twenty. Last season for Rogla in fifty games played, he had seven goals and nineteen assists for twenty six points. Played one game in Grand Rapids. Uh, what did he win the award for? Was it like best rookie? Is like was it like rookie of the year in the SHL or best young player? The SHL has weird awards. They do. Let's it's, see. He it's got... an award for a really good young player. It's what it is. And uh, it, I, and it, it tracks, man. And I think what, what bumped him up on my list was how Dan Cleary talked about him. Uh, Dan Cleary was on Red and White Authority with Art Regner. And he talked about the difference between when Wallander was drafted and when you talk to him now. is when he, when he was drafted, he was shy. He was reserved. He wouldn't talk very much. Now when you talk to him... Basically, he has a he's very determined, has a determined look to him, knows exactly what he needs to improve on. I think he also grades out as a a mid to top, like a top four has to be like a top four defenseman. And it's just it's the it's the size. It's the skill. His skating is is very good. He's an Mm -hmm. he's a great puck carrier. He takes initiative. He creates offensive chances. William Wallander is a guy that I think has a has a pretty high ceiling. And it was all if he could put the tools together and use them to his advantage, then he he'll be successful at the NHL level. And I think he's done that every step of the way. Now, he will be in North America this season playing in Grand Rapids. But I think he does have a high a, a top four ceiling in him that is absolutely achievable with the development path that we've seen from him so far. Yeah, it's this is one to be very excited for. And the fact that he is now making his way to North American ice is a big deal. He is 21 years old, so you got to hope that he is going to be following a little bit in the footsteps of Cider and the way that he came across a little bit older. Granted, there was, you know, COVID and everything that kind of pushed that back. But 
when you look at Wallinder with Edvinson, and we haven't even touched on a couple other defensemen, and then you have Sider in the mix, Jake Wallman, this could be a very, very good defensive core. He has a left-handed shot, which basically has solidified you for the next decade on the left-hand side of, of the ice. Um, and you could really argue where he's at in terms of this list. You could put him higher. Some may put him lower, but it's you're, you can't be upset about it because we just need to see what he can do over here for as the next step. And Grand Rapids is going to have a great time with some of these players, and I'm, kind of, I'm even more jealous than I have been in the past. So the way that he skates for his size, the way that he can move the puck, He's not afraid to use the body. Like there are a lot of good things that you're going to see in a lot of the defensemen on this list that have, I, I, he's a guy to watch in particular, I think this year outside of the standard Johansson and Edmondson that we've had the pleasure of talking about before. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, you know, him only playing one game on, on North American ice is, is certainly going to be an adjustment, but I mean, obviously cider was able to do it um Johansson was able to do it last year so I I don't see why he wouldn't be able to do it obviously it may take a little while for him to get used to it but again you know a little bit of training camp a little bit of preseason games even with the Red Wings um you know as they throw those B and C squads at some of those road games you may see a William Wallander out there with the Simon Edmondson or, or with a Moritz Sider who knows because you know they like to mix the mix it up a little bit so We'll see what mm -hmm. happens there. But in terms of his development, I mean, him playing one more year in or one year in Grand Rapids, is it going to be two? Or is he going to force his way onto the team now? Can he push himself ahead of Edvinson? I guess we'll kind of figure that out as the season goes on. But this is this is an intriguing one because this is a guy that was in the second round. I know very high in the second round, but this is where you start talk about, talking about pushing the rebuild forward. Can you really hit on a guy like this? And it seems like so far to this point, they've really done a good job at, at developing him, and, and we'll see if they can continue to do that. But I, I have no problem with him at this position right here. Yeah, I agreed. I mean, what you look at most of the defensemen that we have in this list right now, the high, hockey IQ and the offensive skill are what set them apart, even with their size. And God damn you, Greg, for your freaking face mashes. Uh, anyways, isn't it beautiful? Isn't Dylan Danielson fantastic? I hate you. It's also creepy that they are quite similar unless you just made it so the eyes of Larkin stayed there intentionally. I made it so the eyes of Larkin stayed there, but the nose and mouth and hair and ears of Danielson, that's what it is. It still looks like Larkin, which Tyler, to your point, is extremely creepy. Very creepy. I told we'll you continue. they look similar, man. It's not like spot on, but they, they look very similar, especially a younger Dylan Larkin. It's not so much like the Dylan Larkin that just got married. No. Plug there, Congratulations. But, but um, it looks like a very younger Dylan Larkin, like, you know, the the spicy D, D boss kind of uh, Dylan Larkin spicy. All right. We're going to move to number six. And at number six, I have Axel Sandin Palika, five foot 11, 181 pounds, just drafted number 17 this year. Last season, uh, he played through three teams in 2022, 23, uh, left the J18 national team, the J20, where he played 31 games, had 16 goals, 20 assists for 36, and the SHL team, where he played 22 games and had two goals and three assists for five points. 
He played in international and 19 international games played. He had five goals and 16 assists for 21 points. I am so pumped for him. And he might have even been above Wallander in my list. But I think Wallander has just a little bit more back catalog because I think that I, I firmly believe, and even after talking to Tony, that Sandy Plika could be the best drafted, the best defenseman coming out of that draft. And I know everyone was really high on Reinbacher, but I think that mm-hmm. that Pelika could could come in and just blow the doors down. And we saw a little bit of it in prospect camp where he was extremely impressive in the scrimmages. Again, he's another one who his attitude is fantastic. And it's an Iserman style player where they're very, very honest about what they can do. They're very honest about what they know they need to do. And they're just these high IQ, high puck skill, high playmaking guys. He's got a phenomenal shot. And I think if he develops that offense, you're looking at a just a high offense defenseman who is also not a slouch defensively. I think that's the big part is he's also very responsible defensively. And it's a position on the right hand side where you lost a heroic and you lost. Uh, I mean, you've got a couple younger guys, but your your main pieces were on the left and you get a very, very, very high upside right shot D. So, I mean, him, I think him and Wallander for me could flip back and forth, but I think that Wallander just has that more back catalog of work. And I'm surprised you put him above a guy that we're going to be touching on shortly. And again, this is probably going to be a pick that maybe pisses some people off, but I'm just going to lean into the fact that he is the second coming of Brian Rafalski. And I absolutely love it. And he can skate, but he skates far better. Swedish Brian. Swedish Brian. We got to ask Lars what Brian is in Swedish. Um, The way that he moves the puck and skates, like he, he creates space out of nothing. You could argue that he's similar to an Eric Carlson offensively, uh, maybe a little bit more sound defensively, which is going to bode well for Detroit into the future. But you look at him, he's not the standard pick maybe we've been seeing out of Detroit Neiserman because he's only 5'11". So he's going to be Shane Gostisbehere-esque, and that's where you kind of look at the Brian Rafalski because I think he was also on the short. He was sub six foot, um, unless I'm mistaken. Now I'm questioning my thing, my life here. Long-term right-handed shot fits the rest. What, what do you got, Greg? You're right. He's five foot ten. Morfalski, okay. I thought he was, but I started questioning that as soon as yeah. I said it. No, 5'10", 191. Got it. All right. But no, Sandy Pelica or Pelika, however you want to say it. I'm going to butcher him all day until he gets here. That is In which you will still say his name wrong? Probably. That is a guy that you are absolutely going to be okay with on your second pairing behind Mo Sider in the future because your left side is going to be locked down, hopefully, unless there's a crazy trade and th- things get weird. You're looking at Edvinson, you're looking at Volander, you're looking at Johansson. That could be your future left side D. And then you've got Sider and Pelica over there on the right-hand side. The future defensively is very bright. All these guys stay even better. If they don't, that means other good things have happened. But I, I love the pick. I think a lot of people, when it came to the pick, would have switched him and Danielson. Kind of almost the Lions thing this year with their draft picks where people are like, oh, he's drafted too high. Then like, oh, what a steal. Like you could basically switch these two around and people would have been even more ecstatic, I think. But I love it. I, maybe 
I could drop him a few just until he gets over to North American ice and gets out there and start playing NHL, AHL hockey, but it's, it's hard to be upset. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, Sandy and Palika is one of the guys that I wanted when, when we were doing uh, a lot of our, our draft preview and some of one of the guys I watched a lot of film on and tape and everything else. Definitely a really good player. Definitely looking forward to the, to the time where he does step on North American ice. As we said, that can be a little bit of an adjustment. Uh, looking forward to see him play for AIK this, this fall here, or I guess rather soon, right? Because the SHL and a lot of the, the uh, European leagues start a little bit, actually a lot sooner than the National I Hockey think they league start does, in September. So. Yeah, so yeah, that's that's coming up quick. So about a month from now, or less. Than he, I think he's going to be okay on North American ice. He had a hell of a tournament for the uh, summer showcase in Plymouth. So, yeah, and and you know he's played on the World Junior Team last year already. The the typical World Junior Team. He had seven. He played in seven games. Had one point. But you know that Sweden team wasn't as good as as typical. But I will say one thing right now. I mean, this is one of the picks that I wanted. I think a lot of people would have been happy with this pick, with it, whether they got him at 9 or 17. So I, I kind of agree with you there, Ryan. But I, my my interest is to see what he does in, in the SHL this year. And I, I would personally, with him on this list, I would say that I'd probably have him neck and neck with Wallander, if not maybe – a little bit below the person that I have um, above Sandin Palika, which is the next person what we're going, going to talk about. But for the sake of this, we'll just agree here to disagree. Great. At seven, we have Carter Mazur because both of you have yeah. already alluded to it. So Carter Mazur is 21 years old. He's six foot uh, 172 pounds, drafted number 70 overall in 2021. Last season with the University of Denver in 40 games, he had 22 goals and 15 assists for 37 points. And with six games at the Grand Rapids Griffins, had three goals and three assists for six points in 10 international games. He had a goal and three assists for four points. The dude's a bruiser, man. And that's yeah. like, that's what I love about it. And we had talked about him forever. We've been talking about him as a Tyler Bertuzzi replacement. And I think that still holds true today. I think he, as to where I think Tyler Bertuzzi from his Grand Rapids to Detroit days maybe let off the gas on the physicality. I don't think that Carter Mazur will. I think Carter Mazur makes it his job out there to be a pest. He said that his offseason, he has two goals. It's to get better at hockey and to eat. He knows he needs to gain weight. 172 pounds ain't going to cut it in the league. But I mean, it could, but not for what he wants to do in his style of play. I think he's a mid six guy. I think that he is my dark horse to possibly make the team this season. And and it's just it's all going his way. And just every time you watch him, he has gotten better. And again, we go back to just I mean, the Iserman checklist, right? Like good skater, check. Good hockey IQ, check. Good passer, check. Good uh, offensive ability, check. So Iserman knows what he's doing and he's got a type and Carter Mazur fits that mold. And I'm just excited to get in again. People are like, where's the grit? We need grit. We need people to go out and hit stuff like the grit's coming, guys. Like, just chill for a minute because the grit's been drafted. It's developing. It's coming in. So I could absolutely see Carter Mazur with NHL games this season. Um, it's just a matter of when and how many. This is an interesting one to see, to 
see what can happen. I, I think a lot of folks may even have him a lot higher than what our consensus maybe has him at. Like I'd say some probably have him top three, maybe behind Evanson and Casper, um, maybe others in, in, in top five. And honestly, I, ca I can't fault you or say that you're wrong there. So this could be a player that makes an impact on this roster. And, and I think what stands out to what you mentioned there, Greg, about being your dark horse to make the roster, he's not going to be or have the expectation of a Casper where if you're bringing Casper in the lineup, you're hoping that he's on your top six throughout the gate. And you don't want to try to have him buried in the bottom six and kind of floundering around and maybe losing some confidence, if you will. Mazur, you can bring in, throw him on your bottom six if you want to, third, third line, fourth line, no, no issue. And he's just going to go out there and piss people off. But he's also going to be impactful. You mentioned already six points in six games with Grand Rapids. You hope that he brings that coming into the season. Is he going to be a point-per-game player? Who knows? But if he does the things that he knows that he needs to work on, which you, you can't ask for much more. So if there's an extra 10, 15 pounds from last season to this season, I mean, that's going to be a stretch. But at least another 10 pounds with muscle and weight, you're going to be in a good spot, and that could make that more reality sooner that he does crack this NHL roster. He, he's going to be – he's another fun one, as all, all these guys that we're talking about, to, to really keep an eye on of who can maybe shock us in terms of getting to this roster quicker. Yeah, I agree. Mazur's a winning player. Has uh, won pretty much in in a lot of the spots that he's been at, including at the University of Denver, won the national title um, in 2021-2022 uh, uh, here in Boston. So I got to see him play. Definitely a good player. Definitely the type of player that, um, especially we always talk about pushing the rebuild forward. I mean, you hit on a third-round pick. Um, that is certainly going to accelerate your rebuild, especially on a guy like this who could be an impact player. He could he could be a bottom six player. He could also be a top six player. You really don't know where where it's going to come from. Is his offense going to unlock even more than it kind of already has at the University of Denver? He, like he had twenty two goals in in twenty twenty two twenty three last year, uh, and then he had three goals and three assists in six games. So three six sorry a point a game basically um so and then he played the world championships with men and he had 10 games and four points so i mean every level he's been at he's pretty much succeeded at so i'm interested to see what it's going to look like when he does get to detroit i would say more than likely he'll be in grand rapids this year but again you know injuries do happen and does he push his way onto the roster there's more room in the bottom six than there certainly is in the top six so We'll wait and see. Awesome. Well, at number eight, I have Albert Johansson. Albert Johansson is six foot 185 pounds, drafted number 60 overall in 2019. Albert Johansson is very mobile. He is very smart. He is very steady. He is probably the most NHL-ready defensive prospect that we have. He would have gotten the call over Edvinson if he would have been healthy, most likely last season. In 2021, 22 and 52 games played with the Farjastad in the SHL, he had five goals and 20 assists for 25 points. And in 2022, 23 in Grand Rapids in 53 games, he had five goals and 10 assists for 15 points. He's a guy that's just going to provide you stability. I think that's the thing is that he is he's a very stable defenseman. He can shoot. He's got offensive ability. But like we say about most cider, he he has a tolerance for panic 
Uh, the guy is very calm and he's not going to make these really quick out of nowhere decisions because people are, are coming up on him and, and about to hit him. He's he's generally a step ahead of others. And being NHL ready and having a high ceiling, I think, are two different things. I think he probably projects out as a bottom four defenseman. And but that's not bad. I mean, hmm. you can factor him in. You can factor him in on your left side. I think he has a future on this team. If he doesn't have a future on this team, he could provide a great trade piece because you've got so much defensive depth. But Albert Johansson is an NHL player. He he, but he's not. I think his ceiling is just lower than the ones that we've mentioned previously. But that's not to say that he's bad because he's extremely solid in what he does. Yeah, it's it's going to be very interesting to see how it plays out because Horkoff, even Horkoff said that he was likely a guy that would have seen NHL time and, and may have interrupted Evanson seeing NHL ice last, last season. So I think, I really hope, I should say, the coaching change bringing in Dan Watson from Toledo to Grand Rapids helps spark this offense because Toledo, they could score and they were a very effective puck-moving team. And a lot of these guys are going to be down in Grand Rapids. They thrive off movement and opening up space for each other. So hopefully we can see another surge from Johansson. We see it with Wallander and Edvinson down there, if they're all going to be there together, which seems the most likely path. And I'm hoping that the Dan Watson can kind of reinvigorate what we were hoping for. We thought last season was going to be fantastic, ended up not being. So... I, I have a lot of hope there and excitement for Johansson. If he's a bottom four def- defenseman, whatever. I'm not upset about that. Hopefully he can understand or he can embrace that. If he shows more, even better. It's a tall hill or hot for him to climb to get past Edmondson and probably a Wallander, but that's not a bad thing to have. And if he does become a trade trip, trade chip, which I think we kind of used him pretty freely uh, in some discussions over the summer just for what ifs but i hope that he shuts us all up and makes this team eventually and that your left side is cemented for years to come yeah i agree with you i think johansson was one of those guys that that you know we thought could could see some time in detroit last year he didn't he played pretty well at grand rapids more not really much offensively but played pretty sound defensively from from what i've seen and and what the numbers seem to say as well uh he's a little bit older i mean you got to keep in mind he's 22 i'm not saying he's old but but by prospect standards he is 22 and and won't be 23 until january so he'll start the season at 22 years old i'm looking forward to see what he does in in grand rapids this year i think um with the new coach watson there i think maybe they'll unlock some of his offensive potential kind of taking what you said, Ryan, but um, I want to see if he can take that next step. Is he going to be the guy that does he pass William Wallander? Does he come close to passing Simon Edmondson? I mean, you don't know. I don't think so at this point, but then again, you, there are still such things as quote unquote late bloomers. And and it could still be a situation where, where, well, um, where Johansson can can get up to that level with Wallander and with um, with Edvinson. I'm not too worried about him being 22. I mean, Wallander's 21. Edvinson, yes, he's 20. I don't have when they'll what their birthdays are, but he fits the time frame that we were looking for. So 
I, I'm not going to hold that against him that he is, he's 22 right now. I won't hold it against him either, but I will move on to number nine. We are two away. So number nine, I have Amadeus Lombardi. Amadeus Lombardi is 20 years old, 5'10", 165 pounds, drafted number 113 overall in the 2022 draft. In in 20, So this is where you look at Lombardi and you go, wow. So in 2021-22, he had 67 games played, 18 goals and 41 assists for 59 points with the Flint Firebirds. In 2022-23, in the same amount of games played, he had 45 goals and 57 assists for 102 points. And it's like an it's like an offensive switch kind of flipped for him. And I think it's interesting that he did that after his draft year. He just had a huge, huge outbreak season. And he played two games in Grand Rapids, had an assist. He's he's quoted saying that he could not move the opponent's stick on the faceoff in Grand Rapids. He needs to put on weight, 165 pounds. If you're going to play center in the league, not going to work. He could move to wing. I think he is a candidate for a move to wing. But I think he's got so much potential and just offensive upside. He is so fast. His hands are so good. And it's it's one where he's got a I think he's got a very high ceiling. But his floor is like lower than a Carter Mazer. And that's kind of why he falls down the list a little bit. There are people that don't have him in the top 10 just yet. But I mean, again, there are people that are going to include someone like an Elber, an Elmer Soderbloom, but he's already burned a year of his contract. I think that Lombardi has the potential definitely to be a mid-six player in the league. And it's just, can he put that weight on? Can he get that stability and just have that offense translate? And if that offense translate again, Tyler, like you said, hitting on those late round picks, hitting on a 113, that's impressive. So I think that's that's where you look at Iserman's drafting and, and like he did in Tampa, hit on those late round guys, and this could be another one. Yeah, this is another one to really keep your eye on. If you coming to Grand Rapids, he, he mentioned the point. The next guy we're going to talk about, another guy that has to really put on some weight, but. Could this be Iserman's version of Braden Point? Like, is that one way you could maybe potentially look at him? I mean, that's you mean Iserman's new version of Braden Point? Or, yeah, sorry, new version. I, I misspoke a little bit. But could that be what we look at with Lombardi here? The, the scoring prowess is there. The skating, the side, like similar side up points a bit bigger, but he's 5'11", 180. So do we see some similarities there. I, I would hope so. I mean, if he gets better on the draw, he can get stronger. And like he's already stated, he knows what he has to work on. We know that Horkoff and the team is definitely probably had these conversations as well. So this can be a true jump in development for him this season. And I, it, it's exciting. So I, I know we've been going on for quite a while now, but I, he is one that I'm really looking forward to see what he can do at the next level. And with the combination of a lot of these guys here, if they're st- if they can stay healthy, makes Grand Rapids a potentially dangerous team. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, hitting on a one thirteen would be huge, and and hitting on a guy where I know you said you know maybe he, his ceiling isn't as high as Carter Mazer, but I mean you know one hundred and two points in the OHL isn't anything to sniff at. I'll tell you that right now, and you know forty five goals and fifty seven uh, assists. Uh, in 67 games he had 102 points and then he did he had seven 
goal, uh, seven points in seven games in the in the playoffs there for the OHL. So he's the type of guy that like could he be your Braden Point? And before Ryan even did that, I was kind of starting to look where Braden Point was drafted. He was drafted uh, 79th in 2014 by Tampa and Steve Eisman. So definitely a, a possibility. Would I bet on him being a Braden Point? Probably not, because I think you know. In the future, he looks like he could be a winger, but you know, being a hundred and what 165 pounds, could he put on 20 pounds and you know get to the 185 somewhere around there and and become a kind of a Braden point? Because Braden point is 5'11, 180, so I, it's not that far off, I don't think. But uh, would I bet on it again? I would say no, but is it possible? Is it possible that you that you get a guy that's a 30 goal score somehow in the NHL possible. I wouldn't say it's likely, but, but then again, you know, at one eleven, uh, or sorry, one thirteen. I mean, if you get 25 goals out of them or 20 goals out of them, you'll, you'll be happy with that. Yeah. So we're going to move on to our final prospect. And at number 10, I have cross Hannes cross Hannes is 21 years old six foot 181 pounds drafted 55 overall in 2020 La- uh, in 2021 22 with the portland winter hawks he had 43 games played 26 goals 60 assists for 86 points and in 2022 23 with grand rapids he played 30 games with nine goals and eight assists for 17 points he was getting he was heating up until he got injured had to go have sold uh shoulder surgery And he's another one with a high offensive upside. I still think he needs to work on his defensive game. We know that Lalone is creating a defensive system in Detroit that players are going to have to fit themselves in or at least think about it. But uh, he's got good, again, good playmaking, uh, decent IQ, but that offensive talent is Aaron Cross-Hannis. It's just, how is he going to come back from this surgery? Because that's that's the one thing is his shoulders are, are tricky. And when we talk to the doctors, it's just a hard thing to come back from. It's a lot of stress. They're not going to shoot the same right off the bat. They're going to have to figure out how to adapt their game post-surgery. But I think that Cross Hannes has that upside. There is definite NHL ability there. It's just, is he going to hit it? When's he going to hit it? And how is it going to translate? Those are the things. So when you start getting into a number 10, there are guys you can toss around, and these are guys that you hope make it into. I think Hannes, if he's a third liner on your team in the future, or even a fourth liner, and gives you that depth offense, it's a good it's a good hit on a number fifty five overall as well. So Cross Hannes is my number ten. Uh, Ryan, we're going to start with yours, and then your final thoughts. Then Tyler and yours, and then we'll sign off. No, a lot of a lot of what I want to say about Hannes, I think, could be spoken to for Lombardi is there there's potential there it helps that I think Hannes has already had time in Grand Rapids so he knows what to expect he's another guy that definitely needs to put on weight and kind of get that mainly build if you will for the the AHL grind but if he is a guy that can be healthy we've already seen that he can be impactful and with these young guys coming up like a Lombardi if, if Danielson comes in at the end of the season like we're hoping Carter Mazur, Marco Casper, there is a lot of skill that could be placed into the top six in, six in Grand Rapids, and you have to hope and expect that Cross Hannis is one of them. So as long as he's healthy come, coming into the season, I think he got hurt in, what, February? I don't know if he's officially cleared. I would assume that he would be. So he is going through a workout regimen and getting getting things ready to go for the season and, and training camp in the sort. So I'm looking forward to seeing, again, what he can do at 
in Grand Rapids if he can continue that momentum that he had and and make Grand Rapids competitive. So, uh, final thoughts. There's a lot of things to be happy about uh, in Detroit's prospect pool. I'm not sure what some of the pundits have them ranked at at the t- at the moment, but I know several have had them in top ten. And with the names top five, have, top five and, and others, but the names that you have here, it's hard to not be excited for the the way that the team is going. You need them obviously to take that next step. We need some of them to be in the NHL within the year. Maybe need is probably a, the wrong word to use, but there's a lot here to be excited for to complement the current roster build and how things are shaping up over the next couple of years. So be uh, it's gonna be a, we're getting closer. One month closer. Already Ryan 33. Yeah, uh just quickly on Hannes. I, I think you know, I would put him ahead of Lombardi just because he has played some games in GR and we could we've seen what he can do until he got hurt. Um, but that's kind of where I'll leave that. I I'm just looking forward to see him playing in Grand Rapids again this year and seeing if he can take that next step forward. Um, final thoughts. I mean, man, we you talk about top prospects right now. I mean there's a lot of high picks here. You're going to hit on all of them, more than likely not. But can you hit on six or seven of them out of ten? Potentially. I mean, there's a lot of talent here. Uh, and it, I guess it depending on which ones you hit on. Hopefully, if you don't hit on some of the higher ones, can you hit on some of the the, the lower draft picks, meaning like the, you know, the second and third and fourth rounds? Can you really hit on those and maybe develop one superstar out of that? So. That's that's kind of what I'm looking at. We're getting closer and closer. I think we're, what, 60 days or so away from the start of the NHL season. So we're getting closer and closer to the to the good time of year. Um, I, I don't know about you guys. I'm a little tired of summertime at this point. So um, looking forward to the fall and the winter and stuff. But you can follow me on Twitter at SealDog91 or X if you want to call it that. No, we're not going to call it that. You can follow me on Twitter at BringingTheWing. You can follow the Grindline Podcast online at Grindline Pod. Go sub to us over on YouTube where you can see our new video layout, all our pretty graphics and everything that we list, as well as the show topics. And it's a little a little more interactive for people who are watching as they can see what we are seeing and what we're presenting. We'll give a shout out to the Hockey Podcast Network at Hockey Podnet on Twitter for hosting us and spreading us around. Also, Vintage Detroit for helping us out with our latest jersey giveaway. Congratulations. Uh, out to our winner on that. It already went out. Beautiful post online. We'll be doing more during the season. Uh, like give a shout out to Howie's Hockey Tape. If you use the promo code Grindline, you'll get 10% off. Bring hockey back. If you get, use the promo code Grindline, you will get 12% off. You can also check out our merch on redbubble.com by searching the Grindline. But that is going to do it for us tonight. So for Ryan and Tyler, I am Greg. You stay classy, Hockey Town.